Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly life transitions podcast, where we share the stories and experiences of professionals that help families create a new path for themselves. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about transitioning your life through relationship separation, starting a new career, having babies, and many other life transitions. Find out more at mycleanbreak.ca. Here are your hosts, Darren and Tina. Morning, Tina. How are you today? I'm well, thank you, Darren. And How I'm are excited. You? I'm excited. I'm <laughs> pumped for today's yeah, show because we have a lady on the show that helps people yeah. when they're stressed yeah. get through to the other side. And that's what we are all about is getting people to the other side of their divorce, that's right? That's right, Darren. So who, yeah. who do we got? So we have Natalie Carrier. She is the owner of the Lighthouse Counseling and Psychotherapy. She is a registered psychotherapist, has been doing this for about three years now. She is located in the community of Kempthal with, uh, lives here, works here, three kids. Um, and she loves to volunteer with her kids at school. And, and also in her bio, it says that she does some pro bono work. So welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you for thanks being for here. Having me. Yeah, yes. thanks for being with us. So, so you're a busy lady. <laughs> yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself in a little more detail. Right, so I'm a mom, as you said, three kids. And um, my career as a therapist actually found me a little later in life. I haven't been doing this for too long, although I'm near middle age, we won't tell anyone. Um, that's right so after a decade spent in the federal government and then being at home with my kids for quite a number of years I kind of found my my true calling and the opportunity to retrain as a therapist kind of presented itself and I really enjoy what I do it's it's meaningful work and I'm I'm very grateful that I get to do it so tell us a little bit about what a psychotherapist is and is there a difference between a registered psychotherapist or is everybody registered um well anyone who is not a registered psychotherapist cannot call themselves a psychotherapist so it's actually actually legislated okay um that way so there is a difference between psychotherapist and psychologist and psychiatrist um psychologist and psychotherapist there's a lot of overlap in the work that we do um, what I don't do is I don't diagnose and mm. I don't tend to label too, too much. I don't prescribe. Okay. Um, a psychotherapist might diagnose, they don't prescribe medication, they're not an MD, but they will do some testing like ADHD, for ADHD mm. personality, aptitude, that sort of thing, which I don't do. And then psychiatrist is an MD. And okay. all three, all three professions, um, there's an overlap in that we all do some sort of counseling or therapy with clients. Good. Oh, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a, I know there's a, uh, quite a bit of um, uh, the unknown. You know, like a lot of people mm-hmm. out there, there's so many different uh, certifications. People get kind of lost in who does what. So, that's right. So what is it that you specialize in? Like, what is it you try to specialize in your, uh, in your practice? Well, I would say that the majority of my practice um, is, is either working with clients who struggle with anxiety and depression. That's kind of the bulk. Most people come with these kinds of problems or issues that they're working through. Um, And these can be from different things. One of them is divorce. Mm -hmm. Divorce causes a lot of anxiety and depression. Right. right? Um, But there are other issues like chronic pain, illness, uh, any life transition. Life transitions are big too. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. That's uh, for sure. Like, I think probably divorce is one of of the biggest um, life transitions that that, that pull people through a, a stressful time. Certainly. And um, so let's talk a little bit about that. You want mm-hmm. to talk about that? Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you got? 
what we want to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was actually reading your bio, so I kind of missed. I was just listening. To, I was reading this funny story you uh-huh. had written out for us. So, um, so okay, so let's just talk about that. Um, what you actually do, like how when people come to you, um, and certainly you don't just just do divorces. I'm, I'm sure, no. but um, do you do you how do you approach that? Somebody's come in and and they're literally they're clearly struggling. What mm-hmm. what are some things that you do? Uh, well, the first, my first task is to get a really good understanding of where the client is coming from and what's going on for them. Everyone's different. You know, they might, a lot of people come with anxiety and depression, but where that comes from can be a lot different. It's a different situation that, that is sort of the trigger mm-hmm. uh, for most people. Um, so my first task is really to sit down with them and get, a, get to know them, talk mm-hmm. to them. What's mm-hmm. going on with you? What, are you? what are you feeling? When did this start? Um, what have you been doing? How have you been taking care of yourself? Are you not taking care of yourself? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does a lot of it come from, so obviously I do you see a lot of clients or many clients when they're going through it. Um, does it have a huge impact on their health? Like not just the mental, but their physical. Do oh, you see that? absolutely. And vice versa. Right? right. So I don't know what you know about the mind body connection. Um, not too, too much. I know, I know some previous guests have talked a little bit about that, but, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, the idea is that what goes on in your mind and your psychology or your emotions affects what goes on in your body. And that's proven scientifically. So you have, you have a thought and there's usually an emotion that is associated with it, especially Mm -hmm. if it's a negative thought, there's either fear or sadness or anger. And when you feel like that, there's chemicals that get released in your body. So Mm -hmm. it has a biological and a physical impact Mm -hmm. and vice versa. If you have a physical illness with physical symptoms, um, you feel a certain way about it, and usually it's, it can be negative. It's, it's, it provokes sadness, it provokes disappointment if you're, if you're restricted in, in what you can do because of your health condition. Mm-hmm. So it provokes those, those, um, those emotions. Right. So it's, it's a, a circular effect, if you will. So mm-hmm. it makes it, uh, it, it's almost like if you're in a bad place or a negative place, those thoughts and emotions keep driving you down and pushing you into a darker place. Mm-hmm. That, that can be very true, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Do you treat kids... Uh, no, I don't. I don't specialize in kids. I, I've got some teenagers in my practice. They tend to be older teenagers. So I work with a population that can make their own informed consent. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the age. And that's, that can be sometimes be subjective. subjective. Like a 15-year-old can sometimes, and they, or they can't. They're not mature enough. Or an 18-year-old and that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think, uh, in your opinion, what's the, what's the biggest struggle um, uh, when it comes to divorcing clients, right? They're, so they're going through... Um, their situation mm-hmm. and and give us give us some of the of the indicators that divorcing clients uh, can help self-diagnose a little bit you know because what I always find with people is that they don't know or they don't feel that they have a problem mm-hmm. until others around them are saying are you okay mm-hmm. like is what's going on in your life you know so there a lot of people tend to in my opinion, tend to try to hide everything and mm-hmm. pretend everything's okay, right? So what? G- give me some ideas on people who are going through stressful situations like that. What are some indicators that they can look for in themselves to self-diagnose and realize that they're having a problem? Right. Well, what you're saying about others noticing before us sometimes is very true. Okay. And so you're right. What they can look for, I think, is if their level of functioning has changed, especially if it's decreased. So if all of a sudden you're not functioning as well as at work, um, you're struggling with the kids, you know, you're, you're tired, you're not patient, you're feeling sad, you're getting up in the morning, you've got no motivation, um, you're fearful of the future, you're, you're not sure of what it's gonna bring, that sort of thing. So if your functioning is overall is affected, then you know 
mm. some, you know. Something's going on. Yeah, and that's right. not rocket science. Most people have a good sense. Sometimes we don't want to face it. And right. I think right. that's part that's, of what you're saying yeah. is that we like to ignore, we don't want to face that we're angry. We don't want to face that we're sad. We, we would rather push that aside and focus on mm -hmm. the task at hand and what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. good. I think we de denial, mm -hmm. pride. Absolutely. Those are things we don't want to admit that we're sad or depressed or unable to cope. Right. Yeah, right. there's this idea that somehow we're diminished because we're not functioning as well, or we're not coping as well as, as we think we should be. Mm -hmm. right. And I don't think there's any shame in, in, in it, but I think we still feel it, I right? Think so. I think you're absolutely right. I see that a lot, actually. Do you? Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm assuming not just with divorcing clients, but with a lot of people. No, in general. I, in general. And I think it is hard for people to admit sometimes that that they're not, that, that they're sad, that they're anxious, that, uh, that things aren't going well. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so what are some mistakes you see people making as it pertains to divorce in your field? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed and, and, and um, I've seen personally in my practice is that um, there's this tendency to make divorce-related decisions either really quickly in the heat of the mm -hmm. moment because one or either of the parties just wants it to be over with. This is way too painful. Let's just get it done and we kind of rush, yeah, you know, rush through it. Or the opposite is also true. Some people get so stuck and so mired and so I think stuck is is the word actually and they they don't they let it drag on too long. Um, mm. either because they, it, it, they're conflicted or because they can't let go. Not being able to let go is also a big, uh, a big mm. thing. And so either they go too fast or it drags on too long. Right. 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 So what are some things you would tell somebody or how do you coach or, or, or help someone through that? Right. Um, well, what I would say to someone going through a separation or divorce, I, I would say three things. I would say give yourself time to work through this transition. It's an important transition mm. and it's not easy. Um, Focus on radical self-care and then call in the reinforcements. So don't do this alone. This isn't the time to do this alone. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about radical self-care? Yeah. That's uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was just at a, you know, self-care is just, I don't know if it's this, I know that self-care is not a new word, but um, just it's like really prevalent now. Like I, I've been using it myself and, you know, going out and getting a bit of exercise because self-care is important. And uh, yesterday I was at a conference okay. and um, the, a lot of the stuff, it was a leadership convention and um they were talking about to be a good leader you have to have good self-care and i just thought wow and and then uh, you know you're saying it here too and i finally gave in to that notion and bought a salt rock oh like. yeah 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 <laughs> so it's small things too right like yeah but yeah radical self-care yeah and it is counterintuitive because most people aren't socialized to put themselves first we're socialized to you know, to be benevolent and to, that, that putting other people first is the thing to do. That is mm -hmm. how we take care of people. But actually, we can't take care of others if we can't take care of ourselves. So radical self-care is the idea of putting your own physical and mental health and well-being first, a priority. Mm -hmm. and, and what that looks like for someone or for everyone is different from person right. to person. So identify what's healing for you. You know, eating well, getting enough sleep, limiting your drinking, um, limiting your exposure to people that, that don't bring you anything, that are toxic. Those are some of the things that are pretty universal. Mm. But beyond that, there's things that are very individual, like, like your hobbies, like reconnect with a hobby that you really enjoy, or reconnect mm. with a friendship, or, you know, you get the idea, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think we always say, oh, I don't have time for that, right? And, and particularly when you're going through an emotionally 
difficult time. Mm -hmm. We just, it, it's, it's like we just don't have time. Mm -hmm. How do you tell people that it is important? We all have the same amount of time in our days. Absolutely. There, we, we have the same amount. And people still manage to do it in busy yeah. schedules. How do you address that with people? It's as simple as you got to make the time. Right. Right. right? You've got to shift that sense of priority in your head. Hmm. It's a mental shift. Right. And and I get the people who are busy and you know I get it. I mean with three kids we're, I'm always on the go and it's always usually about the kids. But you know if 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 in a day I can't carve out a whole half hour for me, I'll carve out 5 minutes. Mm -hmm. right. You know I'll go hide in the bathroom with a book for 5 minutes or I will stretch in between clients. I will go for a walk. But these little things add up. Right. And the intention as well. The intention counts for a lot. Right. The the awareness that you're putting yourself first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, good. that's a good point. Eh? And there's got to be some like, sorry, Darren. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's got to be some like emo, like um, like physical like endorphins that go through your mind when you're doing self care, which absolutely keeps going, keeps that. Absolutely, there's a chemical reaction because mm. as you're doing the idea is as you're doing something positive for yourself, you're you should also be talking kindly to yourself with your inner voice. We all uh, talk to ourselves, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I'll no, be driving right. in the car and I'll say, oh gosh, I shouldn't have done this, or gosh, right. I should. Yeah. No. Talk to yourself kindly. Right. Change the record. Change the script. Be mm. mindful of the things that you say to right. yourself. And that's, that's another point. form of self-care. That's a great point. That's yeah. a really, really great point. Because you know what? I think most of the time I hear people saying, when they're referring to the little voice in their head, mm -hmm. it's the one that's criticizing them. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's yeah. always like, oh, why were you so stupid doing that? And yeah. I should have done that. Yeah. And it beats you up. Yeah, right? You because do. it's the it's it's... You know, one of the best analogies I've ever seen was when it comes to erosion is when you see about the, the drop of water that's coming from a source and it's dropping onto oh, like a stone. Yeah. And they say that even though the stone you think is impenetrable and it can't be broken, right. drops of water on stone long mm -hmm. enough will penetrate and break the stone. Right. Right? Because it's just consistent little things that keep hammering down on something that you think is solid mm. and it's not. Right? It's a good point. And that drop of water on its own seems so insignificant. Mm -hmm. However, you add them all up over time. Right. Yeah. And it's like a path of self-destruction. Yeah. If, if, it's, if we're referring to it as that inner voice. Right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. So, uh, divorce, you talk about divorce as a psychological injury. Mm. Um, tell us what you mean by that. So a psychological injury is typically caused by an event that, co that causes um, emotional distress in someone. And believe it or not, in these kinds of injuries happen as often as we get bumps and cuts and scrapes and bruises. And we don't tend to notice. Um, we're, not, we're not even taught to pay attention, right? But they happen. And similarly to physical injuries, um, these kinds of injuries, the psychological ones, they need to be attended to. Hmm. So if you've got a, a minor cut, you'll put a Band-Aid, you might put some polysporin on it, um, knowing that it'll help, you know, you'll clean it and cover it up and you'll know that you'll heal faster. Well, it's the same idea with an emotional injury. It needs to be attended to. Hmm. So how do they do that? Do they, is it automatic that you think that they need to go see a therapist of some kind or are there other? No, not necessarily because there's, just like physical injuries, there's varying, there's a range, right? There's um, a spectrum. So there can be serious physical injuries, like head trauma, like multi-systems trauma, and then they would get medical attention. Um, a more serious emotional injury would, would be similarly traumatic in right. nature, and that might need 
some outside attention. But things like, you know, the, the daily rejection, failure, loneliness, um, which aren't as, I don't want to, it's hard not to, I don't want to compare and, and minimize, but they might not be as serious, for example, as alcoholism or, or, right. or abuse. Um, you can attend to those sometimes by yourself. It's as simple as, as comforting yourself with the self-care, right? right? Or talking to a friend or um, doing anything that's healing to you. But the idea is to recognize it and be mm -hmm. mindful and pay attention to what's going on mm -hmm. and what, what you need. Do you find typically, so I mean, when people go through divorce, obviously that's a traumatic event for them at that time. Do you find that there's typically baggage there from before the divorce? Do you mm -hmm. find like do you find that there might be a, a stress or a mental illness or something in the person's life that per, that maybe uh, contributed to the divorce? You know what I mean? Does that happen often? Um, I would say it probably happens regularly, and it it it, it does happen. I mean, people carry stuff from their child. We all do. Right. We all carry our own wounds. Right. No one doesn't. Right. And. It all depends on how we attend to them. Mm -hmm. And so how we are in our marriage um, is dependent on that. Right. If we haven't attended to our childhood wounds or to, to things like, you know, if we, were, if we were rejected and lonely mm -hmm. when we were young, for example, we might be clingy in our marriage and that might be an issue. And that might contribute to a breakup. That's just one example. Mm -hmm. right, right. So, yes, sometimes there is stuff. So, there's, so, so would you say that there's a, definitely a benefit to clients maybe... You know, if they see their marriage is starting to fall apart, then that's a good time to go see someone like yourself, right? To <laughs> try to work out maybe if it's not the couple, maybe there's something else there that you can prevent the divorce. Because that's a big thing, right? That is absolutely true. But I would also add that sometimes before things fall apart is a good time for a check-in. You don't want to oh, wait until there's a crisis. Right. So, you know, yeah. monitor yourself. Monitor your marriage. Right. See how it's going. Have a check-in. Mm -hmm. with yourself, with your spouse, and if with some outside help if you need it. Right. Because when you're on the brink or as you're separating, it's, I mean, you can still do things, but it's, it's like waiting for that, you know, that cut that's become super infected. It needs a lot more intervention and a lot right. more healing. It's right. like general maintenance on your car. You wouldn't wait till, you know, you do. You go to your mechanic to get, you know, to get your car checked regularly you go to your doctor to get checked regularly you should anyway but yeah you're saying to do the same with your marriage before yeah so that maybe we're not sitting here talking about divorce and i know this yeah. is a divorce podcast but yeah. i mean ultimately i don't think people go in to get go into marriages to get divorced they don't yeah no, no they want it, they want us to see the best in the other people right but uh, yeah, like being able to identify, I think it's huge, right? I, yeah. I love that check-in. Again, this leadership conference I went to yesterday. Wow, it's awesome. Um, that's what one of the one of the um, one of the speakers was saying. Um, check in with your spouse, right? Mm -hmm. Do a, a they have a monthly check in, and mm -hmm. it's the tenth of every month, and they mm -hmm. and they I check in about. Night. Well, it's a date night, <laughs> but it's literally where they ask each other the hard questions. What have I done for you? What can I do for you? What mm -hmm. can I change? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not meant to be. Uh, um, you are a blah blah blah. You know, yeah. it's meant. It's meant to be. We want to keep this going. We want to right. keep this marriage going and keep the lines of communication open. And so. Yeah, I think that's a really a really cool way of talking about that, even pre-divorce, if if things are. If you can prevent it. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know what? I I I would hope that people who are coming to the podcast or coming to the site, um, 
look at it as as a resource to maybe help prevent divorce too, because mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want the whole group and people like yourself to be seen as the only place to go when you are in the middle of the divorce. If right. you're even contemplating it, the whole idea about about divorce now is preparing yourself. So mm-hmm. someone like yourself and sitting down and maybe preventing it is even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the idea here is that something can be done at each stage. Right. right. So whether you're 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 contemplating divorce, you're on the brink of divorce, or you're divorcing, because that it does happen. I, I've also been there. Right. Sometimes it's inevitable. So at any of these stages, there's interventions. There's help available. Right. That's right. the idea. Is you can be helped at any stage. So what do you recommend, like in your practice or in anybody you know who's seeking help, um, to come as couples or to come individually? Do you do both? Um, I don't do couples counseling. Okay. I sometimes bring in a spouse or a partner um, so that I can get to know my client better, um, get their take, and have them understand my client. But it's always oriented towards my clients, never oriented to keeping towards keeping the couple together. So it's oh. a bit of a different spin. I don't specialize in couples, mm. but I do do individual, and I do help people with that transition. So people who are divorcing or who are entertaining the idea. I've I've had some clients who's come and sit with me and say. I, you know, I know there's something wrong in this relationship, and I can't make up my mind. Mm. Am I going to stay, or am I going to go? Mm. What am I going to do? Oh, mm-hmm. talk me through that. Give me a little bit of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like some juice I want to hear. Um, uh. Well, everyone is different. And my job is never to say, yeah, you should stay, or yeah, you should go. My job is to stay okay. Or to say, okay, what are the pro- pros for you of staying? What are the cons? What 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 does each of these decision mean for you? What if, what is its what are their impact? Sorry. Mm-hmm. And if you have children, you know what needs to happen. Right. 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 So it's almost like a mind map. Like you're taking them through a maze to try to figure out what yeah, path they want to go. I'm shining that light so that they can see their path. Right. 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 Yeah. Really, eh? I, I you know what? Um, I just it. I can't even imagine what you see and hear from people. And how do you not take that home with you every night? Mm, that's a huge question. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, a good question. question. <laughs> I would be lying if I said I never take it home. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a little something about each client that really touches my heart. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way it should be. Right. Mm. Right? You want to connect with your client. That's the important part of the work that I'm doing is that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also recognize that they're separate. They're a separate person. They have their own experiences, and they have their own life, and it's all up to them. Mm. Right. And so when I leave my office, you know, symbolically, I leave. I leave them there. Right. Right. Yeah. Or else, because you couldn't carry that baggage around all day long with That's, you know yeah. however many clients you see on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so you know, the there's emotional injuries. Um, like there's a psychological. Is there a difference between psychological and emotional? I would say they're very similar. Okay. If not the same thing. Okay. Yeah. And so what are some of some so expand a bit about that. Like what are some of those other injuries that you see or can they manifest themselves in other ways? Absolutely. Um, so we've talked about, you know, things like rejection, like disappointment, um, like loneliness. Those are those are everyday injuries, right? Everybody experiences that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the trauma of abuse. Mm-hmm. There's trauma in cases where you're involved in a in a serious life event, like an accident, like a, like a tra- some sort of tragedy mm-hmm. that's traumatic. Right. Um, there's trauma around, or there's there's an injury around living with alcoholism, whether it's with, whether it's your own, mm-hmm. um, 
which usually covers up an emotional injury, that's how it works. Mm. Or whether it's, it's living with a spouse that has a problem with substance abuse, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. What about uh, uh, expectations? I know uh, um, our producer was, was talking to me about uh, expectations in divorce. Do you find that um, when clients are going and coming to see you, right, and they have an expectation of what, what, how, divorce, how the divorce is gonna go, right? Do you help them clarify what to expect as they're going through, like what stages of grief or that they might be going through or trauma that they might be going through? I think what I focus on, um, well, you're right, they do have expectations for sure, but I don't think anything ever goes according to our expectations. Right. <laughs> so what I... So true. What do you mean? Everything goes perfect. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know about you, Darren, but my life has never gone according to plan. <laughs> Under the bus. <laughs> but what I help them do, actually, is to clarify what it is that they need to get through that period of time mm -hmm. and beyond. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, get them to the, through the transition. Mm -hmm. And you're right, grief is, is absolutely part of it. And it what that looks like for everyone is different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we go through sort of the same stages, but we kind of go back and forth. And some stages are more amplified for a person. There might be more anger for one person. There might be more sadness. There might be more depression. It depends on the person and the circumstance. Yep. Um, so I help them clarify what it is they need to get through it. And then what, it, what do they need moving forward? What mm. do they want their life to look like? Because mm. they, they get to rebuild, right? Or they, they, they have to rebuild. Right. And sometimes it involves children and it involves parenting on their own. What's that going to look like for you? How are you mm. going to parent on your own? Mm -hmm. How are you going to plan for that? What do you need for that? How long, how long does, when a client comes to meet with you, I know this probably varies immensely, but yeah. um, how, how long is a relationship that you would have with a client? Is it, is, is it years? Is it, uh, is it months? Yeah, you're right. It does vary mm -hmm. hugely. And some come and see me for two, three, four sessions, and then they're like, okay, I'm good. I've, I've you know. Um, but then they'll check in later, maybe a year mm -hmm. down the road. They'll call me and they say, yeah, I want to come in. Um, sometimes people come, you know, two, four, six months. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients I've been working with for a year and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on what they bring with them. Right. Okay. And what their coping skills are at the outset. Some people have better coping skills. Mm -hmm. right. Some people have a better network of support. For I was going to say, does that make a big impact or Absolutely. can it? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that was the point actually I wanted to make is when you're getting through a divorce, don't do it alone. I think okay. I said that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But draw on your, on your network of support and don't just draw on it, build it. Mm -hmm. So, okay. if, you know, it, it might mean outside professional help. It might mean your friendships, and it might mean making, mean making new connections mm -hmm. outside of that. So, for example, with a, a group of like-minded people mm -hmm. um, who can be there for you and who can give you information and share what it's like, you know, people who've been there. Mm. Is one of the fears, when, when people are going through divorce, do you find that one of the fears is that they're losing their, their network of friends mm -hmm. because they're... Because they're Kind of joined at the hip mm -hmm. with their because a lot partner. of couples, right? Absolutely, they spend yeah, a lot of time together yeah. as couples, and then if one if that breaks, who who gets those friends? Who gets the friends? That's yeah, right. And, like and you do and... lose friendships. Yeah, I'm you sure you do. You okay. do, and so that is also part of that grief process. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. So I mean, this could be a bit of a self. Uh, serving question for you but like would you do you think it's important that everybody goes to therapy when they're going through a traumatic time like that I, I mean it makes sense to me if you're sick you go to a doctor absolutely um 
I think it can be helpful for everyone to get a different perspective, mm-hmm. um, whether that's therapy or whether that's somewhere else where they can get it, where it's useful for them. It depends on what they need. Mm. Right. Mm. Right. But just trying it out, I think, is... Um, I know some of the people that I talk to about it. I mean, I, I'm, I try to be black and white with my advice because I'm numbers, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean... And I get to be gray. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all have our specialties, right? That's right. So that's what it's about. But I, I usually... Um, I usually really try to push people to seeing people like you because I think it's important clarity wise, Mm -hmm. right? Um, It's hard to deal with logic when your emotions are all over the map, right? right? Mm -hmm. So um, I guess uh, there's kind of like a question here that I want to ask, but do you find that people, are they, when they're thinking about divorce, do you find that they know about the process or do you feel that most of them don't know? Like, like most of their clients that are going through divorce, do you find that they're educated about the process or they're not and they're just kind of winging it? Um, I think that most people, if they haven't been entertaining the idea for very long, probably don't know. Okay. Um, and in fact, one of the things I say to my clients who are divorcing, who come to me, I say, you know, you're looking to me for for guidance, you know, for support and guidance emotionally um, and through this period. But I said, don't forget that you also need outside help. You need professional advice in different areas. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're, say- what you're saying is bang on. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not quite sure about the process. They need to be educated and hopefully they can get the, the resources that they need. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about DivorceNet then. Obviously, you know, you are a member of DivorceNet, and um, do you, so you must see the value in, in this kind of collaborative group where there's, there's people that you can refer to, we can refer to, you know, that whole sort of concept. Absolutely, absolutely. I really, what, I, what uh, drew me to this, this group was the multidisciplinary mm-hmm. it's multidisciplinary aspect and that we have we have a mandate of, of serving or educating and helping mm-hmm. so that's what really is important I think mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you know I have to say and you know I've been married it'll be 26 years this year so it's a long time I was a child like I really was <laughs> <laughs> We met in preschool. I in preschool. <laughs> we dated for six years until I would no. We did. We dated for six years, and now we're we've been married for twenty six. But it's not been without its trials. 32? You've been together thirty two years. It'll be. Th- it'll be. Wow. Yeah. So nineteen. I am buying Nineteen eighty six. I started dating him. Wow. I really was a child, like I was. Good for you. <laughs> so, but um, but again, it's it's not been without its challenges, right? And I think um, I think that the the misconception a lot of people have going into marriage is that when you marry the person, thirty years later, they're going to, they're going to be the same person. Oh goodness! And you're not the same person, and they're not the same person. So why do we have those expectations that? they're going to be the same person they are, right? And so, um, I mean, early on in our marriage, we I was m- miserable. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, so I went to see, I went to see a, a counselor. And um, yeah. one of the things that he said was, I need to get your, you need to get your husband in here. And so we had just literally stopped communicating. And so it was about, um, it was probably somewhere at, between first and second year. And we had had some, um, my husband, we 
we had bought a business and we got involved with Crooks. And again, this is many years ago. So he had quit his back then $40,000 a year job, which was 25, 24 years ago, which was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then he got depressed and we stopped talking and he wasn't mm -hmm. working and I, da, 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 you know, all of those things. So we just stopped talking. Right. And by going to one counseling session as a couple, it completely opened the lines of communication again. Hmm. And we went a couple more times, but it literally took one one counseling session to op reopen those lines. We had just stopped communicating. It's kind of a mirror, eh? And the point is here is that you didn't wait long. Right, I went. The intervention, was, the intervention came soon when, when you noticed something was yeah. up. Right, because I was miserable. So yeah. I went. And then I told him after the fact. I didn't tell him before. I told him after the fact that I'd gone to see a counselor. And he was like, he was shocked. He had mm -hmm. no idea I was miserable. Oh. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's, it's and, and then, you know, with children, the, you know, kids change you and mm -hmm. deaths change you. And so then we had to, you know, we went with one of our kids. And again, it was like, you're right, a mirror. Mm -hmm. That we yes. were sitting on the couch with our child and realizing, again, part of the issues were the communication between us as parents. And again, it was like another one of those little light bulb moments that, mm -hmm. and it wasn't like the therapist told us what to do. The therapist just shone the light. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there's great value too. And for the clients, sometimes just to hear themselves talk, yes. hear themselves Vocalize. say out loud right. what it is that's inside. And sometimes I've had it often where a client will say, <gasps> I just said that, mm. or I can't believe I just said that. I didn't know I, I was feeling like that, or I didn't know I was thinking right. that. And then I say, well, they were your words. And I, or I'll say, you know, they'll say something and I'll say, okay, let's stop here for a second. And I'm going to repeat back to you what you just said. Did mm -hmm. you hear yourself say, and you said this, and then they'll look at me and they'll say, whoa. Yeah. I That must be amazing. Mm -hmm. eh? It's almost like a breakthrough moment for yeah. people, like when they can acknowledge something that they're either nervous or, or upset or, or stressed about or just something that they buried, mm -hmm. you know, and they just, it never comes out because they're too strong for that to have to be affecting them. And then that little kind of like chink in the armor and then it all comes out, right? So. And I think it's key is that like a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of people will just say they just need someone to listen to them mm -hmm. and not always give them advice, yeah. right? And yeah. I know that you, you guide people and give them advice, quote unquote, but it's more allowing them probably to come to those conclusions themselves actually i like try so hard not to give it to advice okay that's awesome <laughs> that is what i try not to do and i have a lot of clients who come in and want advice right and i always tell them well, i could do that but if i told you what i think or what i think you should do it wouldn't be your own answer that and i firmly believe that everyone comes in my office and they walk in and they're holding their own answers yeah right. yeah that's a good I point i firmly believe that mm -hmm. my yeah. answers are not their answers right. they're what i think they should do for themselves right. which may be very different from what they need yeah and want. now you um you wrote up in your bio a little story yeah. So I want to... <laughs> <laughs> and we know because we got to get you out of here because you have a client coming in. So tell us your story. <laughs> well, the, yeah. the first thing I, I ask every client who comes in um, is, so what brings you here? It's kind of my line. Right. And it, what I mean is, you know, why are you seeking help right now? And how can I help you? With yeah. That? Um, and so you can imagine I get all kinds of answers. Mm. But very, very early on in my career, I sat down with a client and she seemed so nervous. 
And I was still a student, actually. And so our sessions were being videotaped and so that we could review them and get feedback from our supervisors. And that was pretty nerve-wracking for me, too. Um, my client had given her consent to be videotaped. And I, you know, I started the camera. And I could still sense her discomfort. <laughs> I was pretty nervous, too. Because the more nervous a client is, sometimes you're like, ooh, yeah. what am I going to say? So I started the camera. You know, I took a pause, collected myself. And I said, you know, it's a little pregnancy here. And then she got that deer in headlights. <laughs> like, very confused. Like, what? Why are you asking me that? <laughs> and then she said, well, she said, I had to take a taxi because I missed my bus. And I was afraid of being late. <laughs> And then I just kind of smiled and I waited. And then she said, oh, she said, that's not what you meant. And she's like, you want to know why I'm here, like not how I got here. And I said, yeah. <laughs> so we both had a good chuckle. Oh, she said, could you turn off the camera? And we'll start over again. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Awesome. So I said, that's OK. I said, Let's start over again. So we both had a chuckle, mm -hmm. and then they kind of broke the ice. Right. Yeah. And she was she was at ease, and then I was at ease. So yeah. was, was I, relationships are really important, making that connection for you, right? Because yeah. otherwise, if people can't trust you and feel that, yeah. then they're not going to tell you things. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on life transitions. You can find more topics like today's and other great advice from life transition professionals at mycleanbreak.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. mycleanbreak.ca has clear and simple advice from trusted local professionals to help you get to the other side of any transition.